Welcome to the OC Bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Hi, Mindy. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> How, How are you, doing, honey? Well, I had my first vaccination shot yesterday, so I have no left arm. I oh my gosh, cannot. Really? I could not wash my hair this morning because <laughs> I could not lift my left arm in one hand. It just did not seem like the best idea. I thought about asking for help, but a little awkward. You know, you'd have to be a little close to someone to wash it for you. My daughter's in school. So it's so fascinating. <laughs> um, I got my first one. I have my second one next week. I had I had a little bit of soreness, but nothing much. But my daughter CG got it yesterday too for the first time. Did she? Yeah. Which one did she get? She she got Pfizer, the first one, at Wrigley uh-huh. Field in Chicago. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, but she definitely <laughs> was taking a nap in the afternoon. Yeah, I didn't feel it. Like, I felt fine. It's just my arm is so sore. Well, it's so petite thing. and delicate. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been my morning. <laughs> so today's fun because it's just you and I. It is. It is. We're on episode four, the debut. And, right. And... Uh, yeah, we um, we thought, you know, it's time for us to kind of catch up. And um, yeah. we've been talking about the show so much that you and I really haven't had much time to catch up and kind of tell everyone how this whole thing came about and what we were, you know, what our lives were like after the OC. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun if we kind of interview each other, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny to think like we're going to catch up. It's been... However many, how many years did the show go off the air? 16, 14, whatever. Since 2007. (laughs) 2007, yeah. So it's been a minute. And we've obviously, we've run into each other a couple of times. And it's always like no time has passed whenever I see you, which is so nice. And which is also why I was super excited that you were willing to do this with me, this whole podcast adventure. (laughs) So um, I have uh, the email from Rachel and I thought it was really cute because the, the subject line was, Mindy, it's Bilson. How are you? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. I wanted to run something by you. Would you have any interest in co-hosting an OC rewatch podcast with me? I got approached to possibly do one and I immediately thought you'd be such an awesome co-host. I know this is random and out of the blue, ha ha. But wanted to reach out to you first thing. Hope you're doing well and safe and sane. Let me know what you think. Here's my cell. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. And I well, I, I have to tell you, I I didn't know if it was you or not. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I think I reached out to Cindy, uh, who was our makeup artist on the OC that we're both friends with. And oh, I really? asked for your information. And that's how I got it. Because I don't know how I didn't have it anymore. And yeah, I guess I was just to the point. I was like, hey, so you want to do this thing? <laughs> like, it's been like five years I don't, since I last saw you, but... Hi. <laughs> Hi. Well, and then I, you know, I, I've had the same phone number since 97. So nice. Yeah, I know. Right. So I thought, of course I've got the, your number in here and I'm sure, but it definitely had changed. It, well, you so. know, you know, what's so funny and this is, I mean, probably boring, but <laughs> I had two phones. I had like my bat phone and I had another phone. Anyway, I was given, uh, you know, this free phone while we were doing the OC. It was a sidekick. Do you remember sidekicks? Yes. They like flipped and on their flipped side. And sideways. And, yes. Yeah. And I was super excited. So they, I had two numbers. I had my original number and I had that. But 
finally they took the phone away. They're like, we're not going to pay for your phone anymore. And I'm like, that probably makes a lot of sense after 15 years. That's totally understandable. So I got rid of that one number that I used mainly and I still had my old one. And that's what I have now to this day. We should explain something called SWAG. I think a lot of people, I mean, I always thought the acronym meant shit which are given. So when you're on a show, especially like on the OC, you, you're constantly being gifted things and it could be purses or wallets or phones. There was even a lease on a Lexus that was offered to us. And Tate was the only one, if you remembered, he did it. He, he, he leased, it was like, you can have this convertible thing for six months and he took it and used it. And I was like, I never did those things. Yeah, we got offered some random stuff. I remember while on the OC, I was given an Escalade a Cadillac Escalade for the weekend. And that car is enormous, first of all. And I was driving, I believe I was like with Brody. Maybe I was with Josh. I don't know. There was there was definitely people from the OC in it with me. And we got pulled over because the police thought it was a stolen car. And I was like, no, it's not stolen. Like, this is like a really weird, random thing. I feel super embarrassed to say that like, we're like working on this show and they offered it to. It was so awkward, but the the cop was nice. Well, they probably thought it there was it was being driven by an invisible person because you're so petite. <laughs> yeah, that was the real reason. They're like, how is this thing moving? <laughs> yes, but that was another funny perk uh, <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Really random stuff came our way, but it was, know, it was nice. It was a nice thing, you know? Well, do you remember... Um, first, I, I remember the end of the OC being really vivid for me because... Um, my, well, this is, you know, um, my father had a stroke, like literally the, the la- the first of the last week of the no. of shooting. It was a, it was a Monday and he's, he was wow. fine and all that. But I remember we were shooting and then I went down and then we finished the show. And so I was spending a lot of time with family, which was great, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. was on fire. I was like, the show's done and I need a show tomorrow. So I don't have to worry right. about it, you know? And mm-hmm. It was pilot season. And I just remember doing that same kind of thing, that same story of, I'd get a call that morning and say, can you be here for um, for an audition in 45 minutes? And they expect you to do oh, well, wow. they, you know. <laughs> so I yeah. was tr- and testing for pilots and I was so determined. I ended up doing one with Anthony Zeger who, who created CSI and it was with LL Cool J. And I did the <laughs> pilot called The Man, but it didn't get picked up. And How was LL Cool J? Was he cool? He cool was cool. Yes, he was very <laughs> LL cool. cool J was a cool J. Yeah, yeah, he was. But <laughs> that's um, awesome. But then I, w- I was really like, okay, kind of like, it, I was just still in that real, you know, completely motivated. I need to get another show. And then I actually went to Toronto and did a movie that Kelly Rowan produced, and it was like a, it was a Lifetime movie. And after that. Um, the writer strike was happening. I don't know if you, if you oh, remember that. Okay. And it mm-hmm, kind of kind of slowed down for a little bit, but I ended up doing some really cool things for vacation. Like I went on my first river rafting trip and going, whoa, I've been in the world of Hollywood thinking that was real life, but this is real life. I have always wanted to do that. Like my dream is to go on a real river rafting trip. It's kind of what I was pitching for my 40th birthday, which is... Uh, coming up, rapidly approaching. But I just think I love whitewater rafting. So I have a good in for you. Um, I've actually been talking about um, the best um, The best first trip was the best first trip I did for you. It's the Rogue River in Southern Oregon. And it's wild down. and scenic. And it's 
Um, I have quite a few friends who are professionals. And when we, when we get closer to your 40th, I, uh, I have a lot of info for you. <laughs> okay. I'm I even very did the Grand Canyon that. shortly after that <gasps> for 14 See, days. I really want to do that one. That's like a long waiting list, I feel like, but that would be so cool. I also want my daughter to do it. So I feel like it needs to be kid friendly because she's so down for it. She's like, Mom, I'm definitely going whitewater rafting. I did yeah. when I was like six or seven with my parents. So. CG was with us the first time. She was seven. We had a group of like 30 <gasps> people and it was all seven year olds. But yeah, that was me trying to, you know, wow, red carpets and InStyle magazine is not my focus. And it's really not what's important right now. It's really important to get reconnected. And and the, mm-hmm. because the OC was really, really kind of a, it was kind of overwhelming and probably even more so for you guys as the kids, you know, you, you guys had well, so much attention. Yeah. I mean, you know, the end of the OC was interesting for me personally, and I guess professionally, uh, cause, um, I was working on another film while doing the OC at the end. And then it was a bigger movie. So there was a lot that came with it after I traveled the world to promote it. So it was kind of like I didn't have time to sort of sit back and reflect the show ending. I was kind of, you know, thrown into this other thing and then another relationship and all of these other things were going on. Um, But, you know, it's, it's almost like now I'm really reflecting on it all as an elderly lady. (laughs) like looking back and it was just a cool time. And I'm, I'm kind of grateful that I was thrown into something else. So I didn't have time to feel like super bummed because I think it would have been really hard to, to come to terms with. Um, were you all over the, you were traveling all over the world. Yeah. You know, we did like a press junket in Egypt. It was a movie called Jumper with Doug Lyman who directed our pilot and, Mm -hmm. Our press junket was at the pyramids in Egypt, which was super cool. We went to Tokyo for a premiere. We did a press junket at the Colosseum in Rome. It was like one of those fairy wow. tale situations. Um, so yeah, it was like I didn't have time to think about anything else. Uh, but it was it was really such a great experience. And because of the OC, I got to do that movie as well because Doug knew me from the show. So a big studio um, movie was, with a big budget. It was a big, yeah, it was a bigger movie uh, <laughs> and we had a lot of fun and it took a long time to shoot. We were in Mexico, you know, in a tank. I mean, there was underwater for an underwater scene, which was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Like I'm, I have a weird thing with water, but oh, absolutely. you know, you film underwater, you have to hold your breath and, oh, yet you want to go river rafting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't plan to be submerged, hopefully. You've got to be prepared to swim. <laughs> I know. I know. But Mindy, I want to say, so I was like, <laughs> I was looking you up yesterday or the day before on IMDb and like, I didn't realize that other iconic things that you have done, like uh, Seinfeld, you did an episode of Seinfeld. I did. Which, the Muffin yeah, Tops. Yeah, I watched it. I watched <laughs> the episode yesterday. Did you really? And <laughs> you're so beautiful and so awesome Wait, in wait, it. but and that haircut that it was like the gen the haircut, haircut was, with the bangs very like up here. You had the Rachel, but with bangs, right? Uh, <laughs> which was awesome. But how was it working? Do you remember? Like, oh my gosh! Because it's such an iconic remember. thing. Um, he and I ended up having a major flirtation. Yeah, <gasps> he used to call me. Real? We used to just chat what? on the phone quite a bit. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld used to call you. Yeah. Were you already married at the time? I was getting married. Yeah. Oh, but well, um, you still got married, so <laughs> we know how that went. What he, uh, he just made me laugh. I mean. Um, 
And and I remember being on the bus. It was the Peterman reality tour, which yes. was based on, you know, that that this the real Kramer actually during during that time in 97, the real Kramer was doing a Seinfeld reality tour in New York. And that's another uh-huh. like a version of like made a humor where Seinfeld was bringing in that um, you know, the reality onto his show. And we did that bus scene for it feels like we did that busting for about four hours. And <laughs> wow, that's a lot for a sitcom. Yeah, and not in front of an audience for that particular um scene. But Michael Richards, he's so fast, he's so funny, but he approaches, from my point of view, he approaches it just totally serious. There's he's not playing for laughs. And Jerry could not stop laughing. And none, none of us <laughs> could stop laughing. But um no, that it that was a that was a fun little thing to do. Yeah. Well, did you I have to ask you because Larry David is the love of my life. He's my celebrity crush. It's always my answer. Did you get to meet him? He was there actually doing the um, the George Steinbrenner like chicken yeah, wings. Uh-huh. Or he was supposed to be the head of Tyson. And he was right. there. And I don't remember meeting him. I remember seeing him. But I know you have yeah. a major, major crush on him. Oh, yeah. I saw him once uh, at a play and he was out in the lobby. And I've never been more starstruck in my life. I started sweating. <laughs> profusely and had to run the opposite direction. I was like, I cannot meet my dream man. I'm not ready for this. What I had is to run it away. about him? That self-deprecating, <laughs> that like neurosis, yeah. that insecurity, oh, his delivery. The whole thing. Yeah. He is my dream man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rach. I didn't know that about you. That's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well, okay, so was was if I may ask, was Adam yeah. kind of that same Jewish humor? <laughs> They're def- it's the same wheelhouse, right? Especially watching these episodes and he's like, I'm 80 inside. You know, <laughs> there's like definitely the, the curmudgeon you know, <laughs> self-deprecating. There's a theme for sure. Right. I haven't right. always stuck to the theme. I've definitely strayed. But if you look at some of my track record, uh-huh. there is some sort of flow. <laughs> I noticed that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't I know. I have a question an, for you. Yeah. So yes, um, yes. when I looked you up, isn't this funny that Uh-oh. we, you know, you would think that we don't look each other up, peeps, but no. Um, <laughs> but you, I feel you have this very strong entrepreneurial um, passion for lifestyle and and fashion. And you did a shoe line. And was this all with Nicole Chavez or like, tell us about that a little bit. Nicole Chavez was our on-set costumer on the OC. We became friends the first year of the show. Um, and she's now a stylist. Um, and we did. There was uh, this company that we did a shoe line with. And it was so much fun. We got to design the shoes. We really went in and did the whole thing. And it was like a subscription thing. And it was a really good price point. Um, and we did that for maybe a year or two. I still have shoe mint. shoes, actually. That's what it's called. Shoe mint, yes. Um, shoe but we had so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I've done, I had another partnership and I did another clothing thing at one point. It's definitely a passion of mine. I love it. Um, but I have to be kind of approached with it because I don't have the self-motivation to be like, I'm going to start something. It's more like, okay, here's something. And then I'm like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> Rachel's I don't know poop, if that's lazy or right? what, but it's just <laughs> not, my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not like the business go-getter, but I'll do the creative part. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Rachel's goop, you could be your own goop version, which is, I, I life feel like a lot of people, I, I just feel like a lot of actors, you know, like the Gwyneth Paltrow's or 
people are finding other things than just being actors. And oh yeah, and I think in this, I mean even this this podcast what we're is doing amazing. right now, right? Yeah, exactly. What we're doing right now um, is super cool, and and I'm thrilled to be in my sweats in my office. I'm calling it. It's my closet office. Uh, working. There's something really relaxing about and peaceful about not having to, as I say, figure out the traffic in the morning getting to work. <laughs> <laughs> you and your traffic. The Californians is your go-to. Well, I had a few things, I mean, that it popped up when we were talking about, I know some memories from the OC that just really were kind of popping up in my head. Let's talk dogs on set. Do you remember? That's so funny. I thought the same thing. So we had a very dog-friendly set. Misha got her first dog, Charlie. Charlie. Right? Charlie. A, a yes. Cavalier King Charles, if I, if I remember. Mix. Yeah, he was a mutt, uh, but yes, a mix. And so my first dog, which is kind of funny, it was my birthday and Adam Brody got me a dog. So he went to the pound, you know, he went to a shelter and he picked out a dog and he named it and he brought her to me on my birthday. She was a pit, a penny. pit either mix or a pit bull. Yeah, Penny. He's mm-hmm. like, here's your present. I got you a pit bull and her name is Penny. And I was like- <gasps> Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And you know what? And I said, okay, well, I'm going to call her Penny Lane so I could at least like insert myself somewhere in my dog. Um, so she was Penny Lane. And you know what? She was the sweetest, loving baby girl. She was awesome. But because of that, that he picked out the first one later on, maybe a year later or something, I adopted Thurman Merman. Mm-hmm. And he was a little fluffy mutt because I was like, I want a small dog. You He's know? so cute. And I got, he was the cutest, but he was the biggest asshole of all time. <laughs> you said that. He was such an asshole dog. And you know, we had to put him down this past December. He was yeah. 15 and it was heartbreaking, even though he was like such a jerk and would bite me and Brian really? couldn't pet him or anything. He was very, he was a very neurotic dog. Like he was crazy, but I still loved him. And yeah, he just got put down recently. But anyway, yes, our dogs were always with us on set. And Ian Toynton, who was one of our directors, loved Thurman and tried to adopt one of his litter mates. But one of our, I feel like it was someone in our editing group there, someone they knew got Thurman's brother or sister. And I always wanted to find out what happened. Well, do you remember CG was three, my daughter, Catherine Grace, Mm -hmm. and we got Molly Mae, the pug. The pug, I remember With your the pug. big rolls, you know, and the smushed up uh-huh. face. And I remember at some point you guys saying, because you guys brought your dogs with you every day. Misha mm-hmm. brought, her, brought Charlie and you guys yeah. brought Penny. And, also and, added and I was Biggie, like, okay, was- I'll, I'll bring the pup. I found it so distracting. And if you remember, so Penny's a big pit bull and you imagine mm-hmm. little Molly Mae, these, these, this, this pug with a super smushed face. They were playing in your, somebody's dressing room. I think it was yours, Rachel. And Molly took Penny's um, bone and Penny Uh-oh. tried to take it away. And Molly all of a sudden became the pit bull. Like, yeah. and it was scary. I'm like, ooh, she's a, they don't call him, sorry, bitches for nothing. A female dog yeah. is a bitch. <laughs> well, did you have issues with her? Because I'm finding smaller dogs are way more sassy and it was difficult. Um, <laughs> Well, then we got another one called Flash and they uh-huh. were both the top dogs. So 
Oh. He's the boy and he was lifting his leg. So Molly all of a sudden started lifting her leg as a female. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, it was, oh, it was when, a I went to, contest. when I went to Canada for um, Nikita, unfortunately, we I had to adopt them out to a family that to keep them together because I just couldn't do it back and forth. And um, CG was really bummed, but we now have Lucy. So she's, Aww, it's okay. Yeah, but, yeah, but I do remember one day having Charlie, Penny, and Molly in the makeup trailer in the morning mm-hmm. and it just being totally chaotic. And finally, I, I think Ben was like, you know, guys, can we just have a little peace and quiet in the morning? And I was like, <laughs> totally understandable. <laughs> we had our own best Because they show. fight and they bark <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the morning should always be a little bit kind of a, um, it should be, you know, a gentle experience in the morning because we have these big days ahead of us, right? Yeah. But we were fortunate to be able to bring them to a certain extent. Yeah. And then Josh <laughs> and Stephanie? No, what what they got some which one got was Stephanie? Jo- oh, Josh got and and Jill, who who is one of my best friends, um, they got Maya, a chocolate lab, and she would come to set. She was so sweet. It came from, well, it came from the top once Josh and and or producers, yeah. directors had dogs that we became a dog friendly set and they had to um, now implement some rules. We're going to allow this, but you know, that reminds me of some other rules. Um, The first, I remember in the beginning of the OC, anybody could come visit, you know, my friend, my mother, you know, whoever. And we were constantly getting guests or friends of people. And, and I remember at some point they said, it, by the end of it, which was very exciting, but sometimes you'd turn around and there would be 16, 16-year-olds 16 going, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I think that was kind of overwhelming for the boys specifically. But then by the end of the show, to come on set, it had to be a very, um, because it can be kind of distracting if there's a lot of people looking around, I guess. I don't know. But then if you were going to be a guest, you had to come at a certain time. You had your own, you had your own headphones, your own monitors to watch because it became kind of like, um, kind of a free-for-all. There were things that, once the show got really popular, I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember, though, uh, episode four that we're going over because I just watched it. So that's a plus <laughs> that we get to go over today, which is super exciting. The debut, um, which is, I'd like to just put this out there, our very own version of Bridgerton. Presenting the ladies. They present all the young, the young eligible ladies. And like on our show in this episode, it's the young debutantes are presented as the young eligible ladies. (laughs) Cotillion. I mean, I had to look it up. I mean, I I understand. I mean, anybody can take cotillion classes, I guess, but it's about um, etiquette and social graces. And they, instead of, they don't just tell them how to do it. They actually have a series of um, balls or parties and the culmination could be um, debuting into society, um, so to speak. But anybody apparently can can do it. But yeah, the synopsis of this show, Ryan is officially a Cohen, and that means he too must attend one of Newport's biggest social events, Cotillion. As Ryan and Marissa become friends, Luke's jealousy is apparent. Anna New to Newport shows Seth some confidence. Jimmy's financial troubles come to a head when he lets one of his clients know he doesn't have his money. Mm -hmm. I spoke with Norman Buckley yesterday who edited this episode. He was 
possibly going to join us, but he's working on Magnolias. But um, I wanted to, when we get to the scene, but he, um, I asked him if he knew much about the, um, or if he remembered, of course he knows much, but if he remembered that, um, that he remembers Stephanie Savage, um, the producer on the show, she wanted this episode to feel like a Douglas Sirk movie. And I had to look this up and he was well known for Hollywood melodramas of the fifties. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to look him up too. (laughs) I just thought that this episode had really a, a very huge demonstration of just how different Ryan's, um, life used to be from poverty and domestic abuse to this very superficial, in some ways, high-class society. And, um, but it may, has the making for the luxurious suds. suds. There was one more thing that was established. <laughs> There's three love triangles. You've got yeah. Luke, Marissa, <laughs> Ryan, uh-huh. Jimmy, Sandy, Kirsten. Ah. And then you have Anna, Seth, and Summer. Right. Yeah, we meet when we meet Samira Armstrong in this episode. Anna, who played Anna, mm-hmm. right? She comes in hot. She comes in hot from Pittsburgh. She's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I actually thought she was awesome. Very natural. Um, but this this episode's so sweet because it starts off with Ryan learning that he's basically being adopted by Sandy and Kirsten, and it's so sweet. They they're gonna take him in. He's officially part of the family. It feels like. Stay out of trouble, and he's going to stay out of trouble. But now that we've gotten, he's gotten over, um, you know, burning down a house, stealing a car, getting into all these fights, he's going to stay out of trouble. But now he's going to realize that this beautiful world of um, Newport Beach, everyone has a secret, everyone has problems, and it's kind of the beginning of the end of this very, very sad story of Marissa. Oh, yeah. Well, that just made me sad. <laughs> she she begins her journey to despair, and but Ryan is the White Knight. I think that's the theme here. Yeah, and it's also said here <laughs> they call the boys the White Knights for the debutante dates. Um, but Ryan learns he's going to have to go to Cotillion, you know, uh, joining this family. So he is literally thrown right into it. Um, I just think you know. There's the scene and and they show up for their fitting. Kirsten takes, uh, what are their names? Seth and Ryan. (laughs) They take Seth and Ryan uh, to the fitting and the guy's like, there's, you know, Versace and Armani. And, you know, it's just, Ryan's like, what is happening? Um, And of course, Marissa is there. There were so many, I'm sorry, I jump around all the time. Just bear with me. But there's so many moments in this episode with Ryan and Marissa where you're just like, oh, you just feel it. Mm-hmm. The subtlety of buttoning up her dress, which we can get to, um, dancing on the dance floor or trying to learn the waltz, which by the way, I wanted to ask you, growing up in Orange County, cotillion, anything, did you have to learn the waltz? Like, Did you ever experience any well, of these <laughs> I per- Well, my mother was a ballet dancer, dancer with a dance studio. So I just, I was ah. dancing from when I was young, um, but- this is, I feel like this is something that was more, you know, our parents' generation that every young man learned how to dance and mm-hmm. every, which is, you know, uh, something that I think every young man should learn to do. But um, I missed that. Yeah. I feel do, like, do you, 
Do you know if Ben or Adam danced? Or was that awkward <laughs> for them? We should. Well, Brody definitely has a cool move uh, when they're going that's onto the dance move. floor to learn. He's like, does like this wave hand motion thing and that's all him. So clearly, and you know, he, he was a drummer in his own band. So he's got mm-hmm. the beat. So maybe he has a secret dance life that nobody knows about that maybe right. will come to light. Um, but yeah, I feel like dancing, I do miss that. Like, miss that? What am I talking about? I wasn't alive for that. <laughs> Like My father and I used to and- dance to when whenever there was you know uh, a band or something live. He'd get up and he he would he knew how to lead and it was always you know Aww, such a sweet so mother sweet. daughter mother My father. Gr- yeah. I just said mother mother daughter. father. <laughs> My mother pop father. pop. My grandfather would like pretend actually so. When I was a kid, Dirty Dancing was my favorite movie of all time, and I would make my brother practice the lift with me. Really, it always ended badly. I think like a face scars. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But like he would purposely like spin me in and then twirl me out and like throw me as hard as he could, <laughs> so I would eat shit. <laughs> but I made him watch Dirty Dancing. He made me watch The Untouchables. So I was oh. very <laughs> I love both film educated. Seven or nine year old or whatever it was. <laughs> Wait, can I just go back to the this 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 to me is just a fantastic um piece of dialogue from um our own Kelly Rowan Kirsten in the pool house when Kirsten's like, Okay, so we'll have to do this now that it's official, we're gonna get you and you know, oh wait, you don't have anything. Well, we're gonna have to get you underpants. Like I despise, that is a bad word. And Seth, <laughs> Seth goes, mom, don't say under, underpants. That yeah. is just hysterical to me. Like, uh-huh, underpants. It's like, what's might the worst as, she thing? Might as well have, yeah, she may as well have said panties. <laughs> We're going to get you some panties. and. <laughs> I know, it was, I, I noted that as well. No, but this was also a very, um, very few people, uh, let alone young people, own a tux. So I, I, I wrote, you know, a lot of young people don't have a tux, but clearly they had them on, um, I guess, loan there at the... uh, Yeah, they had plenty of designer duds. And I, you know, and Summer walks out and her comment on her gloves are going to give her sausage arms. (laughs) I do wonder if Josh Schwartz did um, cotillion. I looked it up. I guess there I tried to ask him last night. He was preoccupied. Yeah, that's okay. Get the answers, but... <laughs> okay, so here's something that I wanted to point out when um Ryan is picking out the tux and then um Summer says hey, every girl needs a white knight. There was almost a chemistry read going on between you and Ryan. Could could you imagine if they'd ever actually written for the two of you hooking up for an episode? Uh, you, I, you know, Josh Josh has said now he's like, "Why did I not ever try <laughs> Summer and Ryan?" Uh, right? <laughs> I know Summer was after Ryan. Totally. Big time. Well, also, Summer was in a bra yet again. I know. Why am I always, why am I always topless? <laughs> like bra, bikini top. Why do I not have clothing? My question. <laughs> but, but, so, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but Marissa was like, she was blocking. She made sure that Ryan uh-huh. went with, with set with, um, with uh, Anna. I was going to say Samira. Boy, all these names. You mean Ryan. Right. See? Yeah. It's okay. A lot of names being thrown around. <laughs> yes. But so, Ryan, yeah, she clearly blocks that, um, which is what you do when you're a teenager and you don't want to actually say what you're feeling. So she sets him up with Anna. And I actually love the exchange 
you know, when they're learning the waltz and everyone's paired up and Summer's stuck with Seth, which she clearly is not happy about. By the way, I hate Summer. Hate her. <laughs> right this episode. That's my note on my, on my notepad. It just <laughs> says, I hate Summer. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, ugh, she's so rude. Um, but yeah, so the dance scene, <laughs> Seth and Summer are kind of funny. But yeah, when, when Marissa is showing Ryan, that's the uh, another, that's one of the moments where he puts his hand on her lower back and you feel it. You feel the chemistry. I chemistry is everything. I feel it more in this episode. Like they did a really, really good job. I wrote that to Norman. I said, just the, just the dynamic between those two. And actually I said, Ryan looks like he's about to pop. <laughs> he, he, he's so attracted to her and it just his, works. His leather choker is about to burst. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I'm like, oh, there's that thing. In fact, I, oh, yeah. I heard um, Ben McKenzie on an interview say, just talking about it, saying, I don't know. This is the big mystery. Like who chose it, why it was there. And um, yeah, he was still baffled by it too. But I also want to make leave. a point, um, trying to um, make a point of the fashion. Brody's outfit, that seersucker with the jeans, it was so, <laughs> so fashionable. I loved it. I thought it was cute. It was cute. But we should Um, also make a point of um, saying that this is the beginning of the end for Jimmy. The SEC mm -hmm. is um, on to him. So it's it's definitely a big part of the storyline in this episode. Oh, yeah. We also see Shailene Woodley again in this episode. Shailene walks in. And mm-hmm. also drops that uh, storyline bomb that someone keeps calling for Jimmy. Right, Jimmy is avoiding because Jimmy's in trouble. She's that. She's she's sharp. That that little one. That little Caitlin. That little mini Julie. Um, <laughs> in the Cohen kitchen, um, you know, because Sandy, at this point, both Sandy and Kirsten think that the hundred thousand is for a loan. And then, of course, the SEC tells them that it's not. So in the kitchen, Sandy is asks, asks the guys to leave. And, of course, Seth, once again, is like, is, if it's about the vase. And earlier it was like, if it was about the rug, you know, nice little joke there. I'd like, like to know what that's all about, but I guess that's not the point. <laughs> um, but I, it's early in the afternoon and, and Sandy's got some bad news and it's here. Drink up, babe. <laughs> we need wine for every bit of... Uh, Bad info, or sorry, some some bad news, right? We had our own drinking game within the show, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime something happens. Sandy wants to call the friends to warn them about Jimmy, but Kirsten asked him not to. Um, but I, I wrote, pretty top on Kelly. She was always dressed so elegant, and she is in real life as well. Just a little shout out to our friend Kelly there. So at Marissa's house, Ryan... Um, is there and she asks him to help with the dress. And it's like, how many times have we seen this in a film? I, I know. It's a very palpable moment between them. I feel, I'm really feeling them in this episode. Totally. Really feeling them. I feel like this is like one of those firsts that every boy has. Is it like a very intimate thing to be, you know, zipping a girl's dress or helping her with that dress. And it's like that pheromonal, carnal mm-hmm. desire that you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what's coming. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She may be 16 or whatever Marissa's age was, but she knows what she's doing. The music and the editing and helping the audience along this journey and 
you know, for lack of a better word, manipulating what you're supposed to be feeling in this. And Mm -hmm. um, it's done so well. Yeah, that happens a lot, I feel. There's a funny quick little thing here with Jimmy um, when Kirsten's confronting Jimmy about the situation and Julie walks in, she stops by to ask him, you know, a quick business question. And Julie's like, oh, quickie, huh? Just kidding. Yeah. And then um, I wrote that down too. And also, you're wearing your outfit in that you wear in all of your promo photos. Yeah, there's a lot of promo photos there. Yeah. But yeah, but you're like a quickie, huh? This actually jogged a memory for me because Julie's talking about, um, you know, she's going to go test drive the CLK and da, da, da. And I thought, oh my gosh, I remember test driving a CLK. And all of a sudden, I had these memories of, one of the first things actors do when the show's successful is a lot of people get new cars. Oh, and yeah. And I, I remember did. Ben got like a Nissan or it was a sports car. And I remember your car was a Volvo. Um, yep. SUV Volvo. SUV. Because I am a granny at heart. And, and Brody got like a Mercedes, Mercedes. sedan. <laughs> right. But we Which got, she was we a grandpa at heart. This, you and I used the same leasing company, LCS. And uh-huh. um, I remember Peter, of course, got one of the first Priuses we'd ever seen because- Oh, yeah. wow. But then at one point, just for a little bit, I decided if I'm driving in this traffic all the time, I'm going <laughs> to have a cool car for a short lease. And I did get a CLK for a few months. <laughs> and then after Good for that, you. I got a Prius. <laughs> yes, everyone. I feel like everyone got a Prius at some point, at one <laughs> point or another. <laughs> right. But yes, my Volvo SUV, I was so excited. It had third row that I, maybe I, you know what? I think I put it up once when all of us, the kids, or most of us went to Halloween Horror Nights at Knott's Berry Farm and I drove everybody. And there's pictures from it, I believe. I feel like Brittany Snow was there with us. Brody's there, I'm there. Maybe Saw, maybe Samira's there. We'll have to find the pictures. They definitely exist. But this brings up something that, um, an, a memory um, to kind of go off the episode for a second, because I feel like just from my viewpoint, you had a group of friends and that kind of joined with Adam's group of friends. Did mm-hmm. Josh have a group of friends? And then Misha, you like, you all kind of had a group of we friends. All, I mean, there was Brett. We all kind of, yeah, we all kind of merged. So Brett Harrison, who was Brody's best friend. And roommate. roommate yeah. Everything. Definitely was incorporated. He and Josh are still best friends to this day. Josh was his best man in a wedding. But yeah, so that's how we all kind of merged and formed. And Brett married Lauren, who we're super close with now, who's best friends with Ashley Simpson and Jessica Simpson. Like it was like this crazy mishmash of people brought together because of the show. And a lot of those relationships are still strong today. And every once in a while, I because I was a mom at home and the young ones, you guys would invite me out and I'd be like, ooh, I'm part of the cool group. <laughs> <laughs> but, you are the cool group, maybe. No, but I but I always felt like it, it felt like, um, you know, it was just a really dynamic group of people that were having just a great time in their lives. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to note that okay so in the episode after the waltz practice Holly's having her beach house party uh she's like we have it every year and and Seth's like well you didn't have it last year she's like yeah we did like oh poor Seth um but what's funny about this when you first go to the party and Summer's trying to bribe Holly to give her to switch dates or 
uh, and and Seth comes up and there's a line here, which was an improvised line that be- kind of became a thing where he's uh, he says, you're a real barbecutionist. <laughs> so barbecutionist, gosh, I hope I'm right about this. My memory, I'm always questioning it, but I'm pretty positive and I will double check with Josh. Barbecutionist was Adam and he, okay. he said that and it was so good. Uh, it stayed in and it was used many times. Um, but it was, I'm pretty positive that was his improv. I thought Misha looked so pretty at this party in that dress. And <gasps> That's I see my that you favorite wrote, dress. I wrote that down. I was like, that, yeah. I want that yes, dress okay. right now. I got confirmation from Josh Schwartz. Yes, Barbecutionist was a Brody improv. That's what I thought. I was pretty <laughs> positive about it. Look how quick that it. came in. He responds to you quickly. I love yeah, that. Yeah, not when I asked him many questions. He gets <laughs> overloaded when he answered that. Um, he wrote, Yes. During that line of good barbecutionist, you're in another bathing suit. <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't wear anything but <laughs> bathing suits, basically, or bras. I told you, I'm topless. There are no clothing. There's no clothing covering the top. Well, part it of my is body. the summertime. <laughs> so, well, and you are on the Even stand. when it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote this. Um, I love Marissa's dress. Like that's. I know. I see today. that you wrote that here, and mm. I had the same note. I don't know what it was. It was simple, striped, like, but it was just I don't know the colors, everything. Mm-hmm. This is so funny because I'm such a ugh, my brain. I you know, uh, I wrote Brody Dimple. Brody has a dimple. Like I noticed his dimple <laughs> in this scene, and I'm like, I'm sure it's something I would have known then. I would hope that I would have noticed, but just seeing it, I was like, I question mark. Brody has a dimple. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, everyone's getting ready to go to Cotillion and more. Let me turn my written, look at my written, like my scribble scrabble. (laughs) Oh, I have it too, honey. I got scribble (laughs) scrabbles. But this brought up something that um, this episode more than others that we've watched, um, it reminded me of the process that we go through to get ready. For something uh-huh. like cotillion. So Julie comes right. in with this hair up and she's almost she's almost oh, gone overboard hair. just just a tiny little bit. And you it's think? not like elegant. <laughs> like Kelly looks like she's right out of Harper's Bazaar, you know? And just so, so elegant and 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 but Julie looks more like mother of Barbie, mother of the bride <laughs> kind of thing, with just like and, and oh yeah, and, I noted. I noted the curls just on top of your head. Like it was quite the do. <laughs> right. And when you do something like that, it's you establish a look. And then if you have subsequent days, it's uh, you have to re, you know, you have to copy your look. And it's a whole commitment. And I don't think people realize that, you know, there's this whole thing about we got an hour and a half in the morning to get ready. And within that hour and a half, you need to be ready and ready to shoot or rehearse or whatnot. And some of these days took a lot longer and it takes a village to do that. You've got hair, you've got pieces, you've got makeup, you've got tanning. You've when you got, say pieces, you mean there's hair pieces, hair pieces that you actually or, put into your hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's um, it's not, and, and I think that's why at home, I just could, never wanted to wear hair and makeup because you do it for a living. It's so much. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. I mean, how about summers do? There's just a flower in there. Why? I don't know, but it's there. No, but sometimes there would be, um, and I remember that during that time, I took up Tybo and I would go to Tybo and it was super, super- To say like, what Tybo is. Oh, Tybo, Tybo is, is the Billy Blanks 
It was very, very popular at the time, um, late 90s, early 2000s. And I would actually go to the place and take classes with him. But you're at such a high heart rate for for an hour. I didn't realize that I was getting headaches. <laughs> I was kind of overdoing it. And I drive to set, take a shower, because we actually had some of those trailers or our dressing rooms had some showers in them. And I had this whole process where I could get in the shower, go straight to the makeup trailer, get all dolled up for Julie Cooper. And and it was just in some ways, I'm like, God, this is so exhausting. I am way too lazy to ever have looked like Julie Cooper um, because you have to get up at five in the morning to do it. You know You know what? It's funny you mentioned the showers in our dressing room. I remember Misha one day showering at lunch when she wasn't done working and taking a shower. And I remember hair and makeup kind of going like, oh, we have to redo her. You know, it was one of the, I remember that. And I was like, oh, and I, I still to this day, I'm like, I'm so careful, you know, when you're all done because it's a lot of work or whatever. And I think part of that was just like age and, you know, maybe she did some worked out at lunch. I don't know. But I just remember noting that like, wow, that's that's pretty ballsy. It's not so, yeah, you, if, if it's really important as an actor, you have to communicate with the, um, you know, the ADs, the assistant directors and say, this is what I'm doing. This is how long it's going to take. They've got this whole communication that goes on. And when you have a certain amount of time in the morning, it's built into the schedule. And if you ever go over, there's a, something called a production report and it can say five minutes late for set because, and it can, and they can blame it on hair and makeup. And that happens all the time. So you have to be very conscious that you're not on that side. You want to work as a team. It's a luxury to have an hour and a half to get ready. I worked on an Aaron Spelling show and I remember talking to some girls who worked on 90210 his rule was that you got 45 minutes start to finish and it's up to you to make it work. And that I would never, we would never have been able to make that work on the OC, but he'd been doing it for so long. Also, he had a rule that you only were allowed one hairstyle. If you noticed on those dynasty ladies, one hairstyle. So the audience always recognized you. So really, but it's also very, um, it's a great lesson because I know we always like to change our hair. We we like to change our look up, but if you're doing that and then you have multiple scenes with different looks, you're constantly going back and having to change. I got to the point when during Nikita, one hairstyle never changed for the, for an episode. It just makes life a lot easier. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of that. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you paint your nails, you're just like, oh no. Because if you go from like a different day, that day that you're shooting, you have to like redo your nails. And anyway, I'm a, I like I like low maintenance. Let's just say that. You you learn you learn the shortcuts and how to make your life easier because um, you know, you don't necessarily have to indulge just how you're feeling that day because you want to. It just creates a lot more work. This episode was not low maintenance when it came to hair and no, makeup, as we feel been like discussing. That. <laughs> Everyone was done up, but also some people weren't going to go to Cotillion like Marissa herself. That's a big deal. She's the head Deb, head Deb, right? Um, And Ryan doesn't go and Sandy's out and it's a whole thing, but they, so, okay, so they're not going to go. So things get all shooken up, right? And Seth winds up with Anna why does Seth... Oh, because Summer's going to go with Luke because Marissa's not going. Right. Right? That's what happened. Yeah. And, you know, then they show up. I actually love the Anna and Seth dynamic here because you're really seeing them be the clear choice that, like, 
they should be together. Like she's talking about graphic novels, which she calls graphic novels. And like his mind is blown. Um, she's like a female really Seth. Like, she's really yeah, she's, is like, yes. And, and all of a sudden he's talking to a girl in a way he's never talked to. And, and right. He's never had a female friend like that. Right. No, he's, she was definitely intended to be the female Seth for sure. That's how she's written. And, uh, she did it so well. I thought she was so good. Um, and like I said, I, I'm rooting for Anna because <laughs> I hate summer. Um, she's really refreshing. Summer evolves. Yeah. Summer evolves. Everything is kind of mixed up and, and Marissa and Ryan do decide to come to Cotillion. And Julie is very, very unhappy that Ryan is now the white knight for Marissa. How did you feel about that? Oh my gosh, Julie, it's so funny to watch this when Jimmy's not going. And she's like, what's going on with this family? Like she, her wig is on fire. This is because she's trying to control everything and the, and the night just gets worse and worse. And she's just doing everything through clenched teeth. And I could see like, you know, she definitely would, she's got that piece of coal that's turning into a diamond pretty quick on this night. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, but then every, wait, who does Summer wind up going out with her? Do we not see her presented? We don't see Summer. Does she not no, get presented? Good news. I'm available yeah, again. Yeah, Summer's like, good goes, news. I'm available again. That, I think that's when I wrote, I hate Summer. Like, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you ass, You are an asshole. Yeah, so I guess she, she doesn't get presented. Anyway, so this is our Bridgerton moment when all the ladies get presented. Jimmy, you know, is there. It's actually really sweet, Marissa and Jimmy, right before Jimmy gets, you know, I found this moment to be because like, you know, we're we're looking at this show with a new set of eyes, paying attention to details that we hadn't paid attention to, like ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. looking at the music, looking at the overall look of the 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 scene. And I just had this overwhelming need to text our editor in that moment and and say, what do you remember? I'm just watching this moment and everything looks right in the world on mm. this show. Um, they're dancing together. It's beautiful the way the ladies are being announced and with their fathers. And it's it was impactful and very sweet. And then everything goes to hell. And yeah. it's, um, but that's exactly what the, um, makes for great melodrama here. Yeah, for sure. It was old um, Hollywood, so, an old Hollywood old, moment. Mm, I feel so sad for Marissa, you know, and she's crying outside and both boys try to comfort her. Yeah, the, that was definitely the feeling of, ooh, Ryan, Ryan finally is solid in his living situation, his domestic situation with new parents and a new family. And yet he's fallen for this beautiful girl next door and... Wow, does she have the weight of the world on her shoulders? And he just wants also, to protect also her. Also, Ryan's jacket literally on her shoulders, which right? he offers her. Good which is job, very sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and Smashing Pumpkins to Sheila is playing. And still to this day, that's one of my favorite songs. And it plays in this moment. And it couldn't be more perfect once again. Yeah. I feel for Luke, too. You know, he's got, a, he's very duplicitous, but. Chris did a really good job of, of um, you know, we see his feelings too. And, and um, I felt for him too. He and his puka shell. It's a big feeling. There's big feelings in this episode. 
Right. I have but, big hate. Oh, oh, one thing I want to say. Uh, there's the scene with Anna and Seth where she says, confidence, Cohen. And that was a moment that I feel like transcends. And I I still say that to Josh Schwartz to this day. Like when he's going through, I'll just text him, confidence, Cohen. <laughs> it's just one of those staples that has stayed and I use it with him, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I thought Samira was so refreshing and... Mm-hmm. So natural. Brought such a by fashion. The way. She must have brought a lot of her personal fashion st- fashion. It's a fashion yeah. fashion style to the character. And mm-hmm. um original too. I th- I thought it was great. Just in the casting, you and Adam and Anna or Samira, you all have very unique, um, just original, um, endearing qualities about you and your characters. I think what I think the secret is ultimately it's bringing yourself to the characters. And I well, felt I haven't yet. Let's not say I well, brought myself to the character no, no, but, yet. But, <laughs> but bringing not necessarily yourself, but your sense of humor and the 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 delivery of lines. I mean, it's different if if I'm going off and doing you know medical or techno babble or the head of a CIA or something. But you're playing this, um, or when you're a dominatrix on CSI. Yeah, How was that? exactly. <laughs> I did to do some research for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've always said that even though um, I'm not Julie Cooper, I was able, it's it's closest to me in her sense of humor and delivery of lines. And and when you see, honestly, um, we said this before in, in the episode with Josh, that we're all influenced by the actors around us. And when you see how much fun Adam is having and Peter's having and you're having and the writers start picking up on that and they write for us more and more, it, the looser and freer we got with, um, with the characters. And, and I mean, sure. I do have to point out that the, the moment when Jimmy gets punched and it's like the absolute worst that can happen and all Julie can do shaking and putting her head down. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. What? Like her whole world is shattered. And, um, in front of Newport's finest. <laughs> like her worst nightmare. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, this episode was, I mean, it was a good one. There were so many fun things in it. And it was, like I said, big feelings episode. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Yeah. So should we do some quiz questions? Quiz questions. All right. So we're going to take turns. And then if one of you does not get it right, the other one has a chance to answer. Question one is for Melinda. Where did Anna move to the OC from? Pittsburgh. Ew. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Sorry, that's what Summer says. I do not find ew. Pittsburgh. Ew. I love Pittsburgh. My mom's from Philadelphia. Big Pennsylvania fan. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, Rachel. Your yes. theme song from the OC, California by Phantom Planet, was featured at the end of what movie from 2002? That's a harder one. Rushmore? No. Is that it is something incorrect. with Melinda? Is it something with Jason it's, Schwartzman? It's Colin Hanks, Orange County. Yeah. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They fact, use that in the movie the Orange County, almost, and then that's that's the reason they almost didn't use it in our show. Well, yeah. I mean, how could you? They used it in Orange County, and then we used it for the OC. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Okay, Melinda. There is a scene in the OC where Seth refers to someone vomiting, like that girl from The Sixth Sense. What's the joke within the joke here? Misha was in the sixth sense vomiting. 
when her mother was trying to poison her. But what was the, but what was he joking about in this OC? That's you it. Know? That's the inside. No, you, huh? got, you got it. <laughs> well, but, but, Did but you was get he these ta- questions before? Did you get these before? How are you Me? doing all this? <laughs> yes. Okay. Rachel. What yes. is the name of the show Ben McKenzie went on to star in from 2009 to 2013? Years now? I mean, it's Southland was before Gotham, so I'm guessing Southland. That's correct. Yay, finally. Jeez. We got we got one on the board. <laughs> All right, Melinda. Peter Gallagher told you in last week's episode he starred in what Broadway show, which was the closest thing to success pre the OC? Oh, he's done. He's done over two thousand performances on Broadway. Well, the closest thing to, uh, was it the the play with Mike Nichols directing, or was it Guys and Dolls, Grease? No, it was the Mike Nichols play. And I'm not remembering the name. You know, Rachel? Do you know the name? No, but didn't he, was Glenn Close in it with him? Is that anything? Maybe. Maybe. No, I, of course I have no idea. It was called The Real Thing. The Real Thing. Mm. Rachel. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know the answer to this one. On CSI, Melinda played a character (laughs) named Lady Heather. What was her profession? Dominatrix. You got it. I have a brought it up earlier. I was like, what are the odds? (laughs) I know. I have a funny side (laughs) note, though, because that was such a specific character. I did that first episode of of CSI not long before the OC. And a lot of people didn't realize I was the same person. Wow. Really? Because they're so completely different. I think one is like me, one is not, or neither. <sighs> Melinda, what high school did Rachel go to? Same high That's school easy. as my daughter. Notre <laughs> Dame High School in Sherman Oaks. <laughs> that yep. is correct. Rachel. Mm-hmm. Summer is the inspiration for what character in Atomic County, which is Seth and Zach's comic book. That's a little Miss Fixin, right? That's correct. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> with such confidence. But it's Seth and Zach? They come up with it? Mm-hmm. Remember one one had the no. um, meeting with um, George Lucas and one took you to the prom? And is George Lucas actually on our show? Yes. Yeah. Funny, you know, well, there's a lot of full, full circles here. We'll get into it later. Okay. <laughs> Melinda, Julie Cooper made the appearance in, t- in the 2004 documentary, 50 Most Wicked Women of Prime Time. Do you know what number she ranked? I did that with Joan Collins. I hosted that. Um, well, did they make her, because I was hosting, did they make her number two? Or five, six, a 12. Yeah. Rachel, you want to guess? <laughs> I was going to guess seven, but that's just a random guess. But that's correct. <laughs> that's what came into my mind. I'm also psychic. <laughs> Rachel, what mm. is the name of the episode in which Summer and Seth first kiss? No. <laughs> oh, wait, we did this where they first kiss and it's Caleb's birthday party. I have to think of the name of it. It's six. Uh... Ah, it's episode six. Hold on. Uh, I have to think of the name of it. Three. The the girl who's in the who's who's Caleb. Oh, the girlfriend. Yeah. There you go. 
There you go. I like how you're, you're such a competitor, Melinda. You're like feeding her, feeding her clues. <laughs> she knows that I'm, I'm clueless. So she's helping me. <laughs> All right, Melinda, what is the name of the episode that Marissa and Ryan have their first kiss in? That's Patrick Norris's number eight. I don't want to say the carnival, but it's not. It's um, the perfect couple. Oof, no, Rachel. <laughs> well, it's, it's not an episode. Is it episode eight or is it not? Isn't it later? Nine. So, nine. So yeah, it's I nine. Um, episode nine. Episode nine. There's the carnival. There's four. Three, two, one. The, I mean, the Jeopardy thing. It is the Heights. The Heights. Yeah, that makes I was going to say the yeah. Heights, but the Heights keep, it's all about the land real estate deal, but it's that they were at oh, the Heights. The same one. Yeah. Yeah. On the carnival. Mm hmm. Melinda, I'm going to read this episode description from the DVD box set and you tell me the name of the episode. Really, oh, I have a thing I like. Name of episodes hard. are so hard. <laughs> Sorry. You'll get it. No one was supposed to see what happened, but Luke did, and so did Ryan. Now, somehow, all Newport knows that Luke's dad has been living a lie. A subsequent gossip raises questions of secrecy and trust. The secret. Yes, that is correct. Rachel, what is the name yes. of the school that you guys all attend in season one? Harbor. Harbor High. I have the official name. Uh, where we filmed it? No, you were you were on the right path, but what's the actual name? Newport of the Harbor High School. <laughs> Harbor Melinda, High. Do you know the what the heck? Oh, it's Harbor. Oh, I was going to say the Harbor Pirates is the mascot. <laughs> Harbor. It's like a, a what do you call like an Harbor elite Academy? School. There's like a name for it. It's just the Harbor School. Oh. Oh man, I would come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Melinda, what is the name of Caleb's development that would destroy the wetlands? From the episode, The Heights. Uh, oh. Okay, it's Balboa Heights? Yep. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That was impressive. <laughs> I was going to make one up. <laughs> Rachel, what drink do both Ryan and Dawn order within the first three episodes of The O.C.? 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh huh. Right? <laughs> seven. Yep. And se- is that how you say it? <laughs> seven and seven. Yeah. It's like seven and seven up or something. Is that what it is? Like seven. seven crown and seven up. Yep. Yeah. Melinda, which of these names did Summer not ever call Marissa? Coop, Cooper Scooper, or Coop de Jour? Cooper Scooper. No, Coop de Jour. Correct. That's incorrect because I believe I threw that out once. Like I was like, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> I don't know. That just, that just triggered some memory. Yeah. Coop there you go. Was the Congrats. answer. Yep. All right, Rachel. That one goes to you. <laughs> okay. okay, Rachel, who plays Caitlin part two? And by part two, I mean post Shailene Woodley. Willa Holland. And. That's her last name, right? There's another famous Willa, and I didn't. I almost said I didn't want to say the wrong last name, but she's a singer. Yes, Willa Holland. <laughs> Willa Holland. There you go. <laughs> I'm not sure if you finished the end of that word. <laughs> okay, Melinda. Uh-huh. What camp did Seth go to? <sighs> That's hard. Yeah, it wasn't sailing camp, was it? 
No. It's Camp... Rachel? No, I'm not going to remember. Camp... Camp... Was it Jewish camp? Um, I'm going to text Josh. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Camp... uh, Oh, Camp... Whoa, 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 whoa. Watch it. Camp... Camp Camp Walla Walla? Camp it. (laughs) So close. Camp Takahoe. Takahoe. I almost said Camp Titicaca. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's pretty close. That was my first answer in my head was Camp Titty Caca. <laughs> oh, okay, man. last question. This is for Rachel. Which character said this line, do not insult Journey, all right? Referring to the band. Do not insult Journey. Uh, Ryan. <laughs> that's correct. Oh, my Yay. God. That's, see, some of these are just miracles. Miracles, I tell you. The winner is... Rachel. That is a very <laughs> surprising upset considering I remember nothing. I am shocked. I had an assist from Mindy on one of them though. So I I, I mean, I can't believe I won that. That's crazy. <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. Shall we listen to some voicemails? I think we shall. Did Tate Donovan really get tackled or did they use a stunt double when he got in the fight? I'm sure there was a stunt double. They're always, they don't let you do anything. As actors, they really like to protect you, right? Absolutely. There's very few things, um, unless you've done training or if it's um, something specific like that. Yes, when it comes, they they can't risk losing um, or sending an actor to, to the emergency room. So it was a stunt double. Hey, ladies, it's Dylan from Oklahoma. Love the show. Uh, love this episode the debut, I was just curious what you all felt like being a part of a show that had what I think is an incredibly progressive line from Luke whenever he walks in on Ryan and Marissa dancing. And he says, I would be upset if I didn't know Chino was gay. And then there's a pause and he says, but he was born that way. So how do y'all feel about that? Oh, wow. That's a very, very interesting question. We could go a lot of places with it. <laughs> I, You know, it's interesting that being my age, growing up in, you know, I I just find that it was so interesting that young people used that as an insult, you know? And it just, I always think that what comes out of people's mouths is about themselves. So, um, you know, we're going to find, we all find out that Luke has a much bigger heart and he's struggling to become a young man and finding his way. And it's just, you know, it shows his insecurities. And, and kind of a weakness ultimately. And, and um, yeah, just sticks and stones, you know, although words can be very powerful for sure, as we've learned. So classic, typical teenage dumb comment, right? Yeah. Did either of you ad lib any of your scenes by yourself where you just went completely off the script? I definitely throughout the series had my own improv things. Uh, we just talked about Cooper Scooper, I believe that was one of my add-ins, all me. I, I, I could be proven wrong because my memory, once again. But yeah, for sure. And I always find it fun, especially working with Adam Brody, who is a big improviser. It gave me room to do the same. I definitely stuck to dialogue. I grew up, you know, think, you know, coming to set, knowing the dialogue verbatim. But I did learn to maybe button a scene with something a little extra at the end. Um, I think what was more improv was 
that wasn't written in the script or some of the expressions or the moves or some of these, um, you know, the acting part. <laughs> but Rachel, just um, since this episode was kind of about us catching up, I had this idea thought that what do you think you've learned or is there any just one little thing? There's so many things that you've that you can look back on and say, what's one of your biggest lessons from then until now about life in general? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I was, it's, you know, I've said this, like it was a lifetime ago. I was so young. Um, and I think I thought a little too much about what other people thought for a long time. Uh, I don't know if I can say it's a lesson from the show. You know what? You know what I'll say is, is it was my first job um, showing up every day, working long hours, everything. And I always tried to be as professional as possible. And my dad, who is in the same business, always said to me, do your job and do it well. Um, and I guess that's kind of what I always have stuck to whether it's down to hanging up my clothes after I wrap, you know, I'm done shooting that day for costumes to not make their life harder, making sure, you know, I'm on time for hair and makeup. And after some people would stay and have the makeup artist take off their makeup and I would never, I would be like, no, go home, you know, never make them stay. I guess that comes along with being a considerate person, which is also an attribute to my mother. But uh, yeah, it just taught me how to be professional and do your job and do it well. What about you? Well, I, I truly believe that when when you're involved in something that does have so much success, and not only that, it was popular within, um, you know, the demographic. It was um, was very popular in that um, very important, like, eight, what is it, 18 to 40 demographic, but it was also popular within the Hollywood um, um, population as well, I guess, or in the industry as well. But what's really important, I think, is to really enjoy the moment and not constantly think about what I should be doing next or or thinking about the future. I know that this industry can really get your head thinking about like what I should be doing as opposed to really in, enjoying what's happening right now. And, um, and also, don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take life so seriously. We really do just have right now. And, um, and just be grateful. I think um, gratefulness is is really, really powerful. And um, so I'm grateful to be doing this with you right here, right now. <laughs> Mindy, that was beautiful. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Please remember to follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to watch us, if you want to see our faces, check it out on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. Close your eyes. It's time to discover what starting and growing your own business feels like. Whether your business is bed sheets or skincare, Shopify's with you every step of the way. Now, open your eyes. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast 22. Shopify.com slash podcast 22. We will see you again next week. 
Hi, everyone. It's Rabia Chaudhry. And I'm Ellen Marsh. And we have a new podcast called Rabia and Ellen Solve, Solve the, case. the Case. As you know, I am a very smart lawyer. You are. You're so well-respected in the entire world. You know everything. Thank you so much. And as you know, I'm a famous Broadway star. Gorgeous. I sing like a nightingale. Well, yes. at least that's what your mom says. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Ellen Marsh. And, and I'm Robbie. Rabia. But we are teaming up to bring you a show like you have never heard before. True crime meets talk show. Nobody's done it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the impossible. And it's the two things that I love. Ellen, I think you'll like it too. What? True crime and talking? Yeah. I'm there. Every other week, we will have a guest talking about whatever true crime case they are obsessed with. We have a list, everything from the Lacey Peterson murder. Yeah, some of the most famous cases you've ever heard of, obviously, like John Benet Ramsey, the West Memphis Three, Chris Watts, Khalif Browder, Elisa Lamb, Madeline McCain, Sandra Bland, the Springfield Three, the list goes on and on. But they are all cases that you know, and we are going to dive in deep with someone else and just talk about them. No, we're going to solve the case, Ellen. That's right. We're going to solve the case. So subscribe to Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.